Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Slash and cast. You can now find The Hidden Station on all great places you listen to podcasts. It really helps the show if you give us great reviews and ratings. And please share the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with any potential fans out there. Now, let's get to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that genius who is the bulkiest, bulkiest, the most ponderous, and most brilliant. Hello, friends. Old and new. Maybe that's you. Could not be. It's been too long since we've added a new chapter to our storybook of terror. So here we are. Perhaps it's almost Halloween where you are. It's always Halloween where I am. In my crypt, at the old, abandoned drive-in movie theater, in a Cadillac, of course, next to a mummy drinking a PSL. (laughs) But enough about my surroundings. Wherever you are, I hope it's dark. And cozy. And dangerous. It just adds to the vibe. Hidden Station has an incredible lineup this season. We may even get to hear from our old friend Jason Meyer McMurphy at some stage. But for now, I'd like to introduce you to a woman. One who shows us that appearances can be deceiving. If you want them to be. The Woman of the House. If you'd happened upon the estate by chance, you'd never in your wildest dreams say its occupants were new money. In fact, if you peered down the long, tree-lined parkway at the stone monstrosity at its end, you might say you were looking back in time. Three stories of Italian Renaissance-style villa, dripping in Gilded Age glory, perched on an emerald cliff at the edge of a violent, murky sea. This is the type of wealth you only read about in books, the kind you associate with the surname Vanderbilt or Carnegie, the kind you only attain if you can trace your family's lineage all the way back to the American Revolution, the kind of wealth that makes you guffaw and mumble, what kind of Wuthering Heights bullshit is this? Despite its immense size, the estate doesn't often receive guests. On any other day, the only movement on its immaculately manicured grounds would be from its staff. But today, its doors are wide open. Today, black Cadillacs dot the driveway like flies on a corpse. Mourners spilling from the back seats and into the grand foyer. Today, 
the woman of the house, is being laid to rest. Inside, stylish guests mill about a parlor with vaulted ceilings and an ocean view, exchanging hollow platitudes about the headshot on a mahogany table tastefully decorated with calla lilies. Though the mourners dab their eyes with tissues, they pull them away bone dry. They compliment the dead woman, Beatrice, on the tastefulness of her decor. They remark on her stalwartness in her long battle with cancer. They speak in reverent, waspy tones about her daughter, Rachel, who slit her wrists at Vassar five years ago. They choke back Rachel's name, however, when Emily enters the room. Emily is an impossibly elegant young woman who wears her grief like Chanel. Her slender frame is fitted with a belted black dress. Her porcelain throat is decorated with Mickey Moto pearls. As she glides through the room, the vultures eye her with jealousy. Young, beautiful, and now unbelievably wealthy. And all because she was in the right place at the right time. Rachel's best friend at Vassar, who grieved her loss so ferociously and with such devotion that Beatrice practically took her in as her own. Throughout Beatrice's illness, they'd seen only each other. And now, five years after that horrible dorm room discovery, here was Emily, sole heir to a fortune she'd never lifted a finger to make. She clears her throat demurely, <clears throat> raising a crystal champagne flute above her head. To Beatrice, may she rest in peace and watch over this house always. The crowd murmurs in solemn agreement. When they've hushed, Emily is bombarded by society ladies who played racquetball with Beatrice, who stood next to her at debutante balls. Although her appearance is impeccable, a trained eye might notice the weariness in Emily's eyes, the slight twitch of her lip, which, if viewed at the right angle, resembles a sneer. Her shoulders slump a bit as she downs her champagne flute and excuses herself to the bathroom, the one in the east wing that's off-limits to guests. As she shuts the heavy door behind her, her face cracks. The veneer of confidence, of sheer opulence, melts away. Here in this room, Emily could be an entirely different person. She splashes her face with freezing water, a tiny moan of despair escaping her lips. As the freezing beads run down her cheeks, she catches sight of herself in the mirror. A girl playing dress up. A fake. A liar. Emily jumps. She's been hearing voices for days now, ever since Beatrice died. Quiet at first, only whispers she couldn't make out. Today they've been louder, more persistent, angrier. She listens. Silence, except the dull cacophony in the parlor. Faintly, the ceiling above her creaks, as if someone is standing there, waiting. She looks up. A sharp knock and Emily jumps again. She sighs with irritation as she opens the door. This wing of the house is off limits. Shit, I'm sorry, I was just looking for the- There's a guest bathroom closer to the- Wait a second, don't I know you? 
Since she'd been with Beatrice, Emily had gotten worse at noticing people, especially if their appearance reflected a certain crudeness. The woman before her was certainly crude, her asymmetrical haircut grown out with two-inch roots, her clothes tattered, her arms covered in tattoos. Her sly smile is dotted with silver fillings now, but when Emily looks, when she really looks at the woman, don't I know you? Her heart drops. Emmy Lou? What the hell are you doing here? There's a moment of sheer panic on Emily's face before she pushes past the woman and back to the ceremony. She puts on her most nonchalant, waspy air as she says, I'm sorry, you must have me confused with someone else. Come on, Emmy, it's me, Jewel. Emily tries to lose the woman in the crowd, but she's impossible to shake, determined to stick to Emily's side like tobacco in her nail bed. It's not long before she's made herself known, before she's introducing herself to all of Newport society, before Emily has to think of a lie to make it all better. A wealthy daughter of the American Revolution asks Jewel if she met Emily at Vassar. Jewel laughs as she squawks. Vassar, what the fuck? The old woman recoils at the expletive and Emily can feel the situation slipping from her control, her future fluttering soundlessly out of the parlor's bay windows. She pastes on a desperately sweet smile as one strand of hair pulls from her perfect chignon. Jewel, why don't you stick around after the ceremony? We can catch up then. Stick around? Holy shit, is this your house? A dizzying bolt of rage fires through Emily as she rounds on Jewel, grabbing her wrist and digging her fresh manicure into her skin. Her placid exterior gives way to something darker, more sinister, more real. Jewel, I will speak to you after the ceremony. Whoa, Jesus. Okay. When the last of the guests have gone and the sun has set, when the house is quiet and the staff has finished their duties, the two women meet over scotch in yet another exquisitely decorated parlor. An endless chasm has opened between them since they last met. Emily scowls as Jewel stirs her drink with her finger. So you became her legal custodian or whatever, and she just died and left you all her money. It's a bit more complicated than that. She was sick, so I took care of her. We shared a bond. A bond built on bullshit? You didn't know her dead daughter, Emmy. Don't call me that. Anyway, you don't know Bea or Rachel. You're here for the food. Not true. I'm here for the booze. And for your information, I was invited here. I did Bea's nails like three times. She brought Rachel to the salon once too, so actually, I knew her daughter better than you. Stop saying that! I told you, we met- At Vassar, sure. Who are you trying to fool? I know you. We grew up together. Sure, I ain't seen you in ten years, but the last time I did, you were sobbing in the back of a police cruiser, and you sure as shit weren't on your way to Vassar. You don't know me anymore, Jewel. You're white trash who got invited to a wake because you managed to stop hitting the pipe long enough to do a rich woman's nails a couple of times. You're a liar, Emmy. You're stealing her money. I earned it, goddammit! Just because your life is a dead-end nightmare doesn't mean that mine has to be.
There's silence after that. A line has been crossed, and a door between two childhood friends has been closed forever. Jewel smiles painfully, then stands to leave. Wow. Well, it was great catching up, Emily. Wish I could say I was surprised by all this. What does that mean? <laughs> no one in the trailer park had a worse reputation than Miss Emmy Lou Randall. Emily flinches at the name and downs her scotch, eyes shut tight. When she opens them, they catch on a portrait of Beatrice hanging on the wall, silently watching her. That night, after a luxurious bath filled with fine soaps and salts, Emily sits at a vanity mirror in a silk bathrobe. She opens a drawer and removes a silver hand mirror, antique, ornate, heavy with age. She almost drops it when she sees what lies beneath. A school photo of Rachel, the girl she never knew, wearing the same pearls she wears now. She studies the photo, dusty and curled, but still vibrant. In truth, Emily had almost forgotten what the girl looked like. Towards the end, when Beatrice's mind had started to go, Emily had made a point to scrub the house of any and all things Rachel. She'd thrown away photos, yearbooks, keepsakes with no value but sentimentality. She couldn't stand the way her absence had followed her. Couldn't stand the way Beatrice would pause outside of Rachel's room and stare, as if she was just behind the door. No matter how frail she got, Beatrice insisted that their bedroom stayed in pristine condition. Now that she was gone, Emily could remedy that. With her lips curled tightly, she rips the photo in half. I'm the woman of this house now. Not her. Thief. Emily startles. She can't explain it, but the air in the house has changed. She stares down at Rachel's photo, two halves split in her hands, and for the first time, feels she has done something wrong. A heavy, sticky feeling spreads in her chest as she sits in terrified silence. Suddenly, a dark figure moves past her open door, its footsteps falling heavily down the hallway. Hello? Outside her bedroom, a door creaks closed. She freezes, beads of sweat gathering on her perfect brow. She fingers the pearls nervously. When she'd first come across them in Rachel's jewelry box, she'd thought they were the most beautiful thing she'd ever seen. The embodiment of wealth and privilege. Now, in her big, dark, empty house, they feel more like a noose. Emily stands up from the vanity and crosses to the doorframe. She peeks out at the closed door at the end of the hallway, at the pink plastic letters draped across it, which read, Rachel. One last surge of anger rises in Emily as she runs down the hallway and pushes Rachel's door open with violent determination. She peers inside at a room so well-preserved it's practically vacuum-sealed. Nothing moves. Beside her, the closet door creaks shut. In a shaking rage, Emily crosses to it and tries the handle. Locked. Who's in there? Jewel? She presses an ear to the door. I told you. A liar. I told you. I told 
The anger she feels is extinguished as a cold wind blows through her soul. She could deny it before, say it was all in her head, even tell herself she was the victim of a prank. Not anymore. She knows that voice. Beatrice. The whispers stop. Slowly, the closet door opens. Emily snakes her hand inside and hits the light, revealing nothing but an opulent closet of colorful silks and taffetas, thick as a forest. She shifts the clothes aside, looking for an entity unseen. But it's no use. There's nothing there. She exhales in frustration, almost laughs at herself. A stupid girl, hearing things. The bustle of pink tulle before her twitches. She freezes. Two spindly, corroded hands jet out from the tool and grab Emily by the hair, their grip cold and impossibly strong. Emily opens her mouth to scream, but it catches in her throat as Rachel's decayed face, her eyes two black sockets, emerges to greet her. She opens her gaping mouth, her jaw slack with rot, and the stench of the grave spills forth into Emily's nostrils, choking her. Nice to meet you. Rachel throws Emily out of the closet. Emily scrambles to her feet and sprints out of the bedroom. She just needs to leave, she thinks. They can have the house. They can have it all. All she wants is her life. She scurries toward a grand marble staircase, almost cries with joy as she sees the entrance foyer at the bottom. She reaches the top of the stairs and jerks back abruptly, her body stopping like a hound dog on a choke chain. She sputters, her fingers fumbling at the pearls around her neck. Behind her, Rachel holds the long strand high above her head, twisting it tighter and tighter. Movement at the bottom of the dark stairs. Just a shapeless form at first, which shambles into the moonlight. An old woman, thin as a rail and gray with death, her eyes filmy and unseeing, her rotting lips curling from her teeth. Emily's feet skid on the marble, her eyes widening. Wait, me. I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. The distance is closed. They stand face to face. Beatrice's face goes horrifyingly slack as a black, viscous liquid oozes from her mouth. She strokes Emily's face lovingly with a single finger. A sound emanates from Beatrice's horrid mouth. The death rattle at first. Wispy. Barely there. The sound grows louder, longer. A laugh. Cackle from the depths of hell. Until the entire house rattles with the base of it. Sudden, sharp silence. As the strand of pearls snaps and Emily's body pitches head first down the stairs, landing at the bottom with a sickening crack. As she takes her last breaths on the cold marble floor, her own hot blood pooling around her, 
she hears the pearls trickle down the stairs like rain. When she dies, they pile around her body, ornamenting her perfect corpse like a queen. When she's found by the housekeeper the next morning, the woman gingerly rinses the pearls before stashing them in her own purse. Emmy Lou Randall. The Woman of the House was written, directed, and narrated by Melanie Mockaby. Starring Stephanie Leopard, Melanie Mockaby, and Molly Flanagan. Produced by me, Connor Dowling with original music by Jamie Harvey and cover art by Lauren O'Neill. Well, that's it for this installment of The Hidden Station. I'm your hellish host, Helen Dowling. And remember, the world is a terrifying place with many a tale to tell. I hope you get to tell yours before it's too late. The Hidden Station was produced, hosted, and written by me, Connor Dowling. A big thank you to all our supporters and contributors. If you'd like to write a story or a song for the podcast, please get in touch on any of our social channels or email me on howlingdowlingstation at gmail.com. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.